Hey, Bob WP here, and welcome to Do the Woo, the WooCommerce Builder Podcast. This show is brought to you by Avalara, who you can count on to make sure your clients' woo shops are tax compliant year-round at avalara.com. Tell you more about Avalara later in the show, but let's tune in as Robbie and Robert are joined by Bet Hannon from Accessicart. Of course, you can guess the topic, accessibility. It's a mood thrown in, but it also dives into some of the legalities around accessibility and the in and outs of how things are playing out in the WordPress space. We are firm believers here at Do The Woo in supporting accessibility in any way we can. So enjoy this show with a ton of great insights and tips. Hello, and welcome to Do The Woo. I'm Robbie Adair, you're one of your co-hosts here. I've also got Robert Jacoby with me. Good morning, Robert. How you doing? Good morning. It's morning. This the whole daylight saving time thing drives me nuts. I've given up on trying to figure out whether it's morning, evening. It's always dark now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Well, I am very excited today because we have a, a guest today that's going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, actually, and it kind of frightens me, and that is accessibility. And we've got Bet Hannon here today, and she's going to, to enlighten Robert and I on accessibility. How are you doing today, Bet? I'm great. I'm great. It's good to be with you. Awesome. And tell us just a little bit about yourself, Bet. Yeah. So um, I've been, I've run a, an agency since about 2008 and we've kind of, you know, made a shift over time as agencies do. And in the last um, five years, increasingly focused on accessibility, web accessibility. And so then uh, last summer we uh, doubled down on that with a, um, kind of a rebrand and a rename to Accessicart. And we're focusing on um, web accessibility and e-commerce in particular, and which is, uh, you know, why we're here talking about WooCommerce and all. Um, and because a lot of a lot of e-commerce sites are a part of the targeted group getting sued by the predatory lawsuits. Yes, that was where I actually wanted us to start because I was uh, in looking at your website, I saw that in 2022, so just months ago, that 77% of all of the accessibility lawsuits involved e-commerce. That is that is huge. And so anybody who is even just dabbling in WooCommerce, I think, needs to be aware of this and needs to to be really, you know, crossing their T's and dotting their I's here. Yeah. And that's that's up a little bit from the year before, 74% the year before. So it's, it's kind of increasing. But it has to do with um, sites that have high user interaction. So it's not, I mean, while they're e-commerce, I think this applies too to membership sites or you know, um, LMS sites, anything that has that high degree of user interaction is going to get targeted because if it's not working for some people, they have a problem. Can you can, uh, dive into, before we hit, you know, beat up the lawyers, uh, we'll get there. We will get there. Um, what are some of the regulations that allow, you know, attorneys to get into the mix of this in the first place? Yeah, so it's different um, based on um, your jurisdiction. So in the United States, we have the Americans with Disabilities Act. That was signed in 1990 before things were really connected with some, you know, our daily lives really were so enmeshed in the web, right? 
Um, so it's very clear what brick and mortar stores need to do. You know, your ramp needs to be this kind of de uh, degree of, um, you know, um, incline and you need to have these kind of grab bars and these kind of parking spaces. It's not so clear with websites. Now um, we have, and so what we kind of have been left with for a long time is really sort of a wild west, you know, this is America. People can sue anything for, you know, anybody for anything. But, um, but you know, the the enforcement of it was really left to people filing lawsuits in many ways. And those are both legitimate. You know, user has a problem. You know, takes it to court, ends up taking it to court, primarily because people aren't responding when they bring it to their attention. Um, and then we have some predatory stuff going on. So in, in the United States, although we do have in uh, in the last year, the Department of Justice, which is where those, um, you know, regulations come out about what meets certain standards, they have said that websites do fall under ADA. And that was part of the argument legally was, you know, do, does ADA even apply to websites? Justice Department says yes, but they have not yet been given given us clear guidelines about what meets those standards. So we end up going to court about that. If you live in Canada or the EU or Australia, uh, pretty much any other developed nation that has, uh, and those laws really are more around human rights and you know disability rights kinds of laws, right? They, that's where they kind of fit in. Um, um, Pretty clearly, there are standards that apply. They they're applying that to digital content. So not just websites, but things like PDFs and other kinds, you know, other kinds of online content. Um, and in those nations, typically people don't get sued; they just get fined. So in other nations, it's the government that comes in and says, "You're not meeting the standard," and here's your fine. Um, and there's not been a ton of enforcement as countries have put these laws on, yet. Yet, and that's the word to know, um, that they've put laws in place. They're trying to get people to, you know, step up and make their stuff accessible, but it's not quite been there. We're coming up on a big kind of date uh, in June of 2025 is when EU nations um, we'll start doing, I think, we think uh, some pretty, you know, a little heavier enforcement around some of these things. Um, but it's time to get your stuff together. Yeah, I was going to say, that I'm, I'm marking that in my calendar now, though, by the way, just because I, you know, I don't like to be surprised. Um, you also, you said something in there, Beth, that I think is very, very important, and that is that one of the main problems is when people are are contacted, they don't respond. And that is what I've always heard is you need to respond immediately if someone hits yeah. you up with any kind of claim on accessibility, even even just a user complaint, you better jump on that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Robert alluded to the attorneys. There's some predatory kind of losses. There's uh, the kind of equivalent of ambulance chasing, right? You know, uh, so there'll be, you know, one uh, attorney and one plaintiff, typically a blind person who might sue hundreds of websites, right? And so they're they're trying to go, for, and there's really no damages per se. It's getting the attorney's fees paid, and then they've got some arrangement to share those somehow, I guess. I don't know. Um, but when you get those kind of suits, um, typically what's happening is you're getting in the mail what's called a demand letter. And it's just a letter from the attorney that says, hey, we found some accessibility issues on your site, and it may be very vague, um, not very specific. Uh, uh, if it is, it's very vague. Even if it is specific, it might say you're, you're missing some alt text. 
where where not we don't know but they the letters can look super junk mail like stuff right they can look really and you know we had a client get one one time and i looked up the attorney and he'd been disbarred three times for you know other kinds you know just like so it's super easy to uh, ignore those right just throw them away um because you just think it's well, you know, like I don't even open all my mail anymore, right? It's kind of you get so easy with mail to do that. Um, if if you do ignore that and they move for nothing may nothing may happen, but if they don't, then the next thing you get is a summons to appear in court, and now you've got a court battle. If you let it go to court, that's always going to be the more expensive way to to have things work out because now you got it, that's really expensive. Uh, typically, if you get the demand letter. A lot of times your attorney will work with you on trying to get some sort of settlement done. Um, we were we were just talking about like a lot of times people will want to do the settlement and want to keep it super quiet. So we don't even know that 4000 cases last year that got filed is actually the ones that went to court. There are thousands more probably that settled at, out of court and they want to keep that really tight because they don't want to get, you know, just sort of invite more. And so. Um, you, you want to, um, you know, settle, do that. But then oftentimes, uh, not necessarily as a part of the settlement, but often you then are mandated to fix stuff and you're mandated to fix it on a pretty quick turnaround. Judges seem to have this illusion that the changes to the websites can happen just overnight. Um, and so you're not only having to pay all the attorney's fees, any kind of settlement, then you're having to pay to have your website fixed, which you could have been doing before, but now you're having to pay it and it's on a short turnaround. So you're paying extra for the short term. So it's the most expensive way to deal with these things is to sort of put it off. Is there a set of acronyms we should have in the back of our heads when we're thinking about accessibility, you know, either from a business, legal or technical side that, you know, I'm sure we'll dive more into all of these, but. That's an interesting question. Uh, so ADA, of course, right in the United States, ADA. Um, we talk about um, while there's not really clarity about specifically about um, what meets ADA standards, everybody tends to be in the in other nations, but also in courts here in the U.S. They tend to be coalescing around the website content accessibility guidelines (WCAG), and we are on version 2.1. And those guidelines are, which are technical. If you go to read them, they're very, they're, they're kind of technical pieces. Um, and there are three levels of those guidelines: single A, double A, triple A. Double A is typically where people are focused on, on all of that. And uh, you know, there are, uh, there are some other guidelines. Uh, we talk about Section 508 sometimes. That is any kind of government website. So not just federal, but state, local, you know, your little township, your, you know, your county, uh, and anybody that is kind of funded out of those. So your public library, your uh, maybe, uh, you know, your um, your local law enforcement offices, maybe. Um, so so those kinds of things. Section 508 stuff is pretty close to to the we say WCAG, right, or the WCAG. Guidelines. Got it. Got it. And pretty much anybody that gets federal money, if you get a grant for something and you're you're doing that, then you have some of those requirements. 
So uh, we worked with a startup that had gotten grants from the CDC and they had to have a, an accessible website as a part of that grant. Before Robbie gets, I got one more because you, you mentioned WCAG. <laughs> yeah. uh, in the uh, admin bar's recent uh, WordPress profo- professional survey, they actually kind of show a decline in professionals adhering to WCAG guidelines uh, year over year. And almost 14% don't even consider accessibility. So we're looking at close to 23%, 24% of WordPress professionals in this admin bar survey that really are, wait, I just got my numbers wrong. It's only 9.7% adhere. So really 80, uh, 90% aren't even like at the WCAG uh, level. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I think a couple things <laughs> about that. One is that's, way low and that's exposing those clients then to some liability. Um, I think you want to make sure as a web developer, and I know the, you know, the audience is primarily people who build stuff, right? So as a web developer, you want to make sure a, that you're staying on top, starting to stay on top of this. And some of it is just basic good practices that are not hard and it's going to be easier at the beginning of projects than it is to kind of retrofit it on the end, but just sort of do your basic homework, start doing these things. But also as a web professional, um, you need to be sure you're putting into your contracts, into your you know, master services agreements that you are not liable for the client's website, right? A couple reasons for that. One is it's it's a, a super unclear what meets ADA guidelines, <laughs> right? So so it's it's hard to say. Well, if I do all if I build to WCAG's you know guidelines, that then that covers it, right? And the clients' attorneys are always wanting to put like, how can we be a hundred percent certain we will not be sued, right? That's their bottom line. And the answer is, and the other piece is, the WCAG guidelines are really guidelines, <laughs> and and guidelines are have a lot of flexibility into them, right? So sometimes they conflict with one another and you have to look at them and you have to say, well, okay, in this case, what we're trying to accomplish with this feature on the website is this thing. And now we've got to weigh these two competing things and figure out what's going to be the best way forward. Sometimes you've got to weigh, you know, the thing that's better for the person with, um, with visual disabilities may not be the same for the person with, you know, reading disabilities, right? So, or, or what, whatever, you know, there's kind of sometimes things where you've got to pick something. You can't do it all for everybody. So, so in many ways, and then anytime the website is changed, pretty much anytime. So not necessarily orders coming in for WooCommerce, but anytime new content is added, and anytime plugins or themes that affect the front end display are updated, the website can go out of compliance. So there's, you really, as a developer, should be putting in there in your contracts, you have your release from liability because uh, there's just no way to stay on top of that. And, and I, I'll just sort of be a little kind. I don't think there is a way to be 100% compliant. There is no such thing as 100% compliant. It's like saying my website is 100% top SEO. Well, it's, you know, in many ways, website accessibility is 
is a is a type of user experience optimization. Right. So there's never an end to that. You're always sort of tweaking at it. It's kind of, you know, so I, I get what they're saying. What they're really saying is where can where's the where's the line where I won't be sued, right? Or where can I protect myself? Um, and there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that you can work on, but you know, it's some of it is there's no way to be a hundred percent. I think that's also, you know, that uh, in responding to things, if you were also being open that we are consistently updating and trying to maintain accessibility on our website, having that as an answer that you can have, having that in, in maybe in your uh, policies on your website as well. No, uh, not your policies so much. Well, yes. I mean, in your policies that you're, you're putting that out there, but this is something that we started doing when we were working with clients is you, you want to get, you want to have ways that you're continuing to work at that, but that you're documenting it. If you're documenting it, right? And so then if when you do get sued, then you get you your attorneys get to come in and say, of of course we know that there are some issues there, but look, we've been working on this for months, years, right? And we're making incremental progress and you know, we're working, we're happy to work on this particular issue that you've put up, but you know, we've, we've done all of this and you have that documentation. So the documentation piece of it is huge. Showing that you are in good faith trying to keep up with guidelines, even as they change and as your website changes. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. So now this is, it's like we said, there's just guidelines. There's no, like, here's your exact uh, steps to become accessible. There's just guidelines and accessibility encompasses a lot from does this color lay on top of this color and have enough contrast for visual impaired? Uh, can I use the keyboard to navigate through my menu? Are my image tags on there appropriately? I mean, it, it's it's a lot, right? I mean, so bad if, if we could just kind of have, what are the high level areas that web developers in particular need to be, you know, making sure that they're addressing? And by the way, I love that you mentioned they should put it in their service agreement that they are not uh, held responsible for this very important. Yeah, 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 yeah. We did um when uh back at a WordCamp US when we were still online, Ryan um uh Ryan Ryan Kinney worked with us uh and we had a kind of a release of liability example. Um yeah, so um there are some low-hanging fruit and we uh we estimate a, a lot of them are content driven. So there are things that are, you know, of course in WordPress that are more content pieces and things that are more theme driven. And a lot of the stuff, I mean the the biggest piece of accessibility is going to be related to content stuff. So if you make sure your h tag structure is in the proper, you know, one and one h at one and then everything else is properly nested if you have alt text on your images um, and if you have your color contrast right now that's a little bit of a design but if you do those three things there's estimates that say that's about 80% of accessibility issues wow okay you know so i would say paying attention to that is huge and there are some ways that you can do that one of um, our friends at equalize digital um, amber hines and and um, her, her, Steve Jones and uh, Chris Hines, they they put out a plugin called Accessibility Checker, and it is uh, inside the WordPress dashboard in the content creation area. So then you're getting kind of feedback. Um, the automated stuff, it, for checkers are great for these content issues, right? Because that's you can. AI can check that, right? It can tell whether you have, you know, your H tag structure is properly ordered and whether you, whether you have alt text 
but not maybe whether it's good Altex or not, right? But whether you have it. And then, you know, the pieces, they can check for color contrast, sort of, right? Like the color, the automated checkers don't always do a great job when there's text on top of an image where the background color changes. So sometimes you get false positives and false negatives as a part of all that. So, but, you know, checking for those things. And then I would say in terms of developers, you know, using an accessibility ready theme where you've already, you're making sure that the navigation is all, you know, is keyboard navigable. Is it keyboard navigable? Do you have skip links? Do you have good focus indicators? You know, a lot of times, I don't, I don't know why this was such a popular thing, but for a while people would turn off focus indicators. And a focus indicator is when, you know, if you're going to test out the keyboard navigation on the website and you, you just go to the website and you start pressing the tab key, right? Things should get outlines, discernible outlines, right? When, when it shows what's activated, right? Whether a, a link is activated or a button is activated or, you know, a, a play where, where you are in terms of moving through the page, people used to turn those off. And it's like, only people who needed them would be seeing them. It's not visible on the, you know, it's not visible for most users. And so, but, you know, making sure you're sort of following through with those sorts of things. And um, yeah, there's checklists out there of stuff that mm -hmm. people can begin to do. Want to be a hero when it comes to your clients? You built a site. Now you want to make sure that with your client's WooShop, that they are insured that they have accurate sales tax rates in place especially in case of an audit. Avalara is a leader in automating sales tax and compliance for businesses selling online, both big and small. If you're setting up a new WooCommerce site, get your clients set for sales. If you currently manage several client sites, it may be time to make that recommendation. Either way, get their WooCommerce extension and let your clients take advantage of a 60-day free trial. There's also great resources for either you or your clients on their site where you can learn more about sales tax calculation, among other services like returns and exemptions. So for peace of mind, avalara.com has you covered. What um, I suggest too to people is if they, as web developer, web development agency, don't feel that that they are good at this, that that's when they need to find other companies that they can partner with or, and hire to do. Like, I know your company offers a, a an audit. And I think that's a great place to start, especially if like now, see now people that are listening to this are like going back in their mind going, oh my gosh, in this client, we didn't in this client, we did. But going back and doing an audit on those and maybe even how often would you say websites should be audited for this? Because things change. Oh, well, it it depends, right? It it depends on how much the site's being changed, right? If it's a super dynamic site where there's content changes all the time, then, uh, you know, we do, uh, we have some clients we do, uh, you know, twice a year audits on, some that we're doing. Now, those are more like big uh, audit testing things. Typically audits are, uh, you would, you would do what's called a sampling audit. So you would pick 10 or 20 or 30 URLs. And then you would audit those, understanding that you've tried to pick a good sample, representative sample of the content on the site, right? Different layouts, different, maybe, maybe in a super active um, site, different op, uh, different content um, authors, right? Different users that have put in content, some of those kinds of things. Um, and 
So those can be a part of, of what you do. Um, we've recently started going to the, you know, the audits can be expensive. And that's that's a part of, you know, figuring out how you're going to manage that. So I would say don't worry about going back to audit old stuff at this point, unless the client is interested in doing that. Um, I would say if if the site is more, you know, we, we like to say, well, the theme for a website or the design of a site or a site infrastructure really is three to five years or so, right, before you're really thinking about redoing that. If you're already halfway through that, just bump that up and do a new project. Don't spend the money on an audit and then, you know, the additional cost of doing that just doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. Um, but um, we've started doing some. Um, some uh, productized services around kind of combinations of instead of trying to do a big audit project as a separate thing, and then over there people can deal with, and we still do that, right, for some agencies and all, but we started offering um, ex audit and remediation packages. So they can start with a certain number of, they're just buying little buckets of, little, some of them big, buckets of hours every month, and we're doing some testing and some remediation every month. Right. As a kind of that sort of ongoing way, because the, and that spreads out the cost. Right. So that you're not spending, you know, five figures and more. Right. To do to do big audits and then having to turn around and fix it. But you're investing more slowly over time. And uh, Yeah, I was going to say that also if it's documented, then that also is going to help them with if something does come up and they do need to spend more money to do something really quickly. But they also can just show in good faith we're slowly but surely working on this. Right, right. And we, we have had, like, there's, there are some situations where, you know, like, if they're on the lowest tier plan, and it's, they don't have enough hours in a month to fix this problem, then we have to strategize about what we're going to do about that. But, but that doesn't come up that often. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was thinking, it's, it's just like a maintenance plan. So other agencies could utilize accessibility experts as part of their ongoing maintenance. Yeah, and and frankly, if it's if it's a shop where they've got their their devs, their content people, um, we, I mean, we do do that kind of stuff too, where we come in alongside, we do some consulting and kind of and leveling up, basically training. And so, um, if we come alongside for a you know a, a website project or two or three, then those devs, they, I mean, it's it's just a little bit of a learning process, and they they get it, and then they're sort of good to good to go. Yeah. If, but if I have a ton of content, can I, can't I just Google, you know, some JavaScript thing that I can just drop into my header and that'll fix all my accessibility? You, you aren't already getting ads every time you load a page for those automated checker things? <laughs> well, not even the checkers, just the ones that actually make it just magic, my site magically accessible. Yes. Those are called overlay plugins. So they're using a bit of JavaScript to try and fix your accessibility issues on the fly. Um, there's lots of problems with those. Um, and they, first of all, they only fix about 30% of issues. So if you think that magically everything's gonna go away, that's just not gonna happen. Um, B, they sort of imply that they got your back, but once you get sued, that is actually not in the fine print. So they're not gonna stand with you in terms of a lawsuit. Um, they also cause a lot of problems for people with dis disabilities. So if, if a person already has some 
disabilities and needs some tools for using websites, they already have them installed on their machine for the other 99% of websites out there that they need to access. And so then your new little JavaScript thing conflicts and renders neither tool useful. So we know a lot of people with disabilities that install browser extensions and uh, use their routers to block the services that those JS uh, tools are using, those overlays are using. Additionally, um, there is some question about privacy because we know that those tools are, um, if, if someone goes into the little widget that they put on your page and says, I want to see this for people, I want this magnified for people with visual disabilities, um, the service apparently is storing that so that the next time they visit a service with that particular tool, they can already serve it up. But that's protected HIPAA information. And they're not notifying anybody. And there's no way to kind of remove that. And so there's some pretty significant privacy concerns for that. If you want to learn more about how overlays work and why they're problematic, there's a great website called overlayfactsheet.com. And it's it's kind of a you know a fact sheet like it's like the, the domain implies, but but it's signed by more than 800 accessibility professionals in terms of you know it, it's it's not just some fly by night fact sheet. It's it's pretty well respected folks out there that are. In the end, it's not about legal compliance. In the end, it's really about making your website work for people with disabilities. And so, you know you 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 want to kind of do the right thing and not create more problems for people with disabilities. Are there gentle benefits even for folks that aren't taking advantage of the accessibility when you build that on a WooCommerce site? Oh, absolutely. Right. Almost always when you improve your accessibility, you improve your SEO because you're doing some of the same things, alt text, heading structure, you know, table of contents, all of those kinds of things, right. Uh, uh, improve your SEO. Um, CDC in the United States, but also UN and other developed nations say that about 25% of all adults have some disability that requires an accommodation, 25%. So if you're talking about making your website, you're, you're increasing the audience, you hold the potential to increase the audience of your website by 20 or 25%. That's huge, right? Why, why would you not want to do that as kind of reaching new people? And, you know, there's always that argument about, you know, well, blind people never come to my site. Well, you know, that's just not true, right? That's not true. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> that's not true. And uh, so there are, uh, and and the reality is all of us are just one accident or illness away from becoming disabled. And it's increases as you age. So if your demographic skews older anyway, it, you have increased reasons to do that. Plus it's, it's a, it's a good investment in your, in your brand, right? If you if you are interested, if if your brand wants to make a commitment to DEI, for example, accessibility is a great way to do that. And uh, additionally, anytime you make the website easier for people with disabilities to use, you make your website easier for everybody to use. Because you think about it, it's not just people that have uh, you know, a permanent, we think of disabilities as kind of a permanent state. 
but disabilities can be, uh, you can have a temporary impairment, right? Um, I had uh, surgery on my thumbs and I couldn't use a mouse for a while, right? And so people like that can can be uh, in those temporary situations, but also just sort of circumstantial or situational things, right? Somebody's in a loud place or they're, or they're in a quiet waiting room and they can't listen to the video that you've put on there have your captions, then, uh, you know, like they say about 80% of the people who listen to videos on social media with captions turned on are not hearing impaired. And so, right, you're, you're making, you're getting more people to look at your content when you, when you do those kinds of things, right? So making it easier for everybody. Absolutely. And, and you are correct about that, by the way, that most video is not heard on the web. It is read. Oh, and people more and more are turning on, you know, I, I watch TV all the time with captions on. <laughs> I do too. There was a really great podcast about that, by the way, about why are more of us listening with captions on. And it had there was a, there's a lot of factors to that. And it's not that we're all going deaf, which is what I thought was happening to me. But it, it's also because the our technology is so much better with filmmaking. And and because the speakers inside of the movie theaters, you know, you got Dolby Surround and all that, they can, they can be whispering and doing their very dramatic acting. And it's going to carry through in a movie theater. But then when you put that on your Sony TV at home, it may not come through unless you've got a $3,000 sound system attached to it. Or if you're watching it on your phone on Netflix, it's not coming through. And that's why more of us are having to turn on captions because the sound is actually so well done at the beginning for big sound systems. It doesn't pare down nicely to these smaller devices. Yeah. I started actually about 10 years ago turning it on when we were watching British crime dramas, though, and the accents were like, <laughs> oh yeah, <absolutely. laughs> some of the accents were just like wild. <laughs> Yeah, that was the other thing. We're listening to a lot more because of streaming video. A lot of us are watching more international content, too. And there's a lot of, boy, yeah, I know, especially, boy, the Scottish accents, when those start happening, I'm like, what did they say? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, Robbie, Robbie, I have captions on for you all the time. Oh, yes, because, you know, I'm from Texas, so (laughs) everybody needs their closed captioning on for Robbie. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Um. So, Bet, I want to also give you uh, kudos because the content and the blog on on your company website is actually fantastic. And I highly recommend that people go there because, I mean, even you guys did a blog on like the 2023 uh, design trends and how that's impacting some accessibility. like, I really love that y'all brought up the animated cursor. Yeah, we've been doing that for a number of years now. Yeah, every every year our uh, our our uh, lead uh, design person really lo- loves doing this post about what's what's the new trend and then like how are these things impacting accessibility and uh, we we love doing that. But yeah, so it's a it's a good mix I think of tips but also some business strategy and things like you know tax credits. You can get tax credits for making your website more accessible. Really. Oh, did not know that. I I missed that blog. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. You have to be under 30 employees or under a million dollars, one or the other. So it's not like huge corporations that get it, but, but yeah, that's a lot of small businesses and a lot of, um, you know, businesses that can take advantage of that. You can get up to a 50% uh, credit. Now it doesn't get, it's not refundable. You don't get it back, but you get, you can get, it can take off from what you owe. 
up to 50%, including a full website design project if you have made accessibility as a, a part of that. Awesome. Nice. That is nice. <laughs> yeah. Of course, agencies are not noting that down for all their clients that are small clients. That's a great benefit. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Now, you also mentioned to me, you and I were chatting beforehand, that you guys offer a free ebook. Um, how would people find that on your website? Oh, we've been putting that out. On, I'll give it to you for the show notes. We've been putting it out on social media and uh, just an introduction to accessibility for site owners and in particular for e-commerce folks. There's a few things that are different about e-commerce in terms of putting things together. Um, so we try to highlight those um, and put it together all in a little ebook. So yeah, it's cheap for the show notes. Cool. And so I'll also ask you, and I know this isn't as important because this isn't what is publicly seen on the website, but if we're talking about for our clients going in and working on the back end of WordPress and in WooCommerce and stuff, how do you guys rate the accessibility of that? Oh, that's a loaded minefield. Okay. I didn't, okay. I didn't mean it to be a loaded question either, by the way. <laughs> well, you know, in um, so with accessibility, typically the the focus and the work has been on the front end display for customers and site visitors. With the block editor, there was a lot of stuff around uh, accessibility on the back end for content creators. And it's still not ideal for, for uh, content creators with disabilities. It's better than it was. Um, but you know, it's, it's not ideal. I would say by and large, WooCommerce by itself, and we've been doing some things in Shopify too, or, you know, uh, when you do accessibility, right, it's mostly because it's mostly front end, you can kind of think about different platforms too, right? But um, by and large, by themselves, out of the box, WooCommerce, Shopify are fairly accessible. But when you, and of course, for all of these, you've got to add on additional plugins to add those additional functionalities. You've got to customize it to do all these things. That's where you start running into a lot of accessibility issues, is that the, the plugins that you're using to customize things may or may not have had some, you know, accessibility thought given to them. Right. And I was going to say, that's, uh, by the way, with all the platforms, too. You're right. That that the core, the core plugins or components of things typically do, they're bigger, they have bigger teams, they can think more about accessibility. But then when you start looking at the smaller little plugins, it's, it's harder. They're smaller teams. They may not have the knowledge base and the man hours to, to work on their accessibility. For some people, it just hasn't occurred to them, right? You know, right. they just haven't heard yet about accessibility. So, I, yeah, you want to take great care when choosing that. And um, um, I, I tried to talk with, you know, maybe we could start a little m movement. But, you know, I tried to talk about, like, the WooCommerce folks, uh, like, finding a way for giving, for, for there to be some assessment about the accessibility on WooCommerce plugins, right? So there are there are the WooCommerce ones that they sell in the store, but you'd want to make sure it's not just the developer saying, oh, yeah, we're accessible. Exactly. That there has to be some sort of test of that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know how that happens. But but, you know, at the very least, that would be great. We're starting to do that, you know, of course, in the uh, in the theme directory and WordPress.org that, you know, accessibility ready themes. But uh, again, I don't know how vetted those are really. but. 
At least it is a topic that is now you're hearing it at all of the events and things like that. You're starting to hear this more and more accessibility. Mind you, that's probably, yeah, I was going to say, it's probably because of the amount of lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to hear more and more. <laughs> We're only starting, it's the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, they do say that that accessibility is over the next decade is going to become majorly important. And again, it's because of mitigating lawsuits. Yeah. Well, and in other places, fines too. I think, you know, I think mm-hmm. we are going to see um, our, e, you know, we, well, while we fear the lawsuits, the the fines are going to start coming for folks in other places. So, yeah, I, I kind of feel like that accessibility, it's kind of like, it, I, I liken it to seatbelts and cars. There were so, I mean, I remember when I was a little kid, I just got thrown in the back seat, man. I was like all over that car, right? There were no car seats. There were no seatbelts being used. They were there. We, you know, we didn't use them. But, and then everybody was like moaning when they had to put on that seatbelt and they could get a ticket if they didn't. But, you know, through all that moaning and all that pain of doing it, in the end, when we look back at the number of deaths that were say, I mean, uh, stopped by wearing your seatbelt, it's, you know, we see in the end that it's very, very important. And, you know, not that we're going to save someone's life on a website, but it could mean that we open up their life some if they can actually see and access your information. Well, and, and, and it's important to stop and think about what, what it means when you make your website accessible. It means that someone who has a disability does not need to depend on someone else to make the purchase, to find the information, to set up an account. I mean, it's about human dignity, really. I mean, when you start to think about it and it's, that's, I mean, that's a huge deal. And why, you know, just like, I think a lot of site owners moan and groan about the cost or the, you know, extra steps or whatever, but these are the people who wouldn't like slam a door in someone's face at start, you know, or, you know, push somebody out of the way at Starbucks. These are kind people. Right. And so it's just really an extension of that. It's about making your website welcome everyone and make, make, make everything usable for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. We actually, one of our clients here, uh, that they, they are, uh, they're a center for independence living. So they actually help people who with handicaps, you know, I mean, handy, dif- different disabilities, I should say, become independent by giving them job skill training, helping them, you know, get out of facilities and live on their own and things like that. And, you know, over the years that we've worked with them, it really did, it, it opened our eyes to like, what a difference it makes. Just simple little things. I mean, here in Houston, when they finally got the ramps on the curves, it was like not all of them had it, even for years, even after ADA and all that. It was still, it was a battle to get the get those uh, in place. And so, and they make a world of difference to someone in a wheelchair, right? I mean. Yeah, we had a, uh, we, we have had an interesting experience with, um, so we have this uh, client who is a, they're a large, nonprofit and they have kind of a subgroup of people with disabilities and they're going to do this nationwide survey for people with disabilities within this kind of group. I can't say enough. I can't say much right now, but it'll come out when, when we have permission to share when, once it's public. But anyway, so the first time we met with them, we sat down and they're like, uh, they were like testing, like, you know, 
you know, do you really understand accessibility? And we're, you know, kind of sharing a little bit. And they were just like, oh, developers, we don't have to explain accessibility to. And then with the conversation, I was like, oh, people who really want to make things functional for people with disabilities and not just avoid getting sued. It was really kind of, we had a little love fest there and we've, we've been having a great time with that. But we're going to do, yeah, the survey is going to be, that's going to be awesome. I'm so excited to share more about that. It's in gravity forms. So that's not a WooCommerce thing. So. Uh, well, that's okay, though. It would be the, we'll have to have you back on to talk about the results after you guys have results and, and uh, statistics. That's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Needless to say, we're including with people with ASL and low educational attainment. It, it's, it's a slight tangent from all the actual very nice rah-rah about the human condition. Um, but does that mean every website's going to look the same? No, no. And it doesn't have to be ugly either. Oh my gosh. You sh yeah. We have a, we, we have a just a amazing kind of retro, almost eighties vibe thing going with a new one that you can make really beautiful sites that are accessible. I think that's kind of a, a lot of times developers feel like it's restricted, but it's, but it's really not, you know, it's like they feel like if I, if they make things accessible, then they can't just do what they want. Well, in reality, you don't just get to do what you want, right? You have to do things that are going to be usable for people and that are going to be, you know, that are going to convert for your customer if, if that's what their goal is, right? So it's not, uh, but, but, you know, within those parameters, there's a lot of just gorgeous, gorgeous sites, so. Is that where you're going, Robert? You thought it was ugly? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for designers too, it's, it's a bit more um, that they have a bit more of an accomplishment when they're done. If they have not only created a beautiful design, but it's also accessible to the most people they can make it accessible to. I think that that's a big feather in their hat, you know, and it's something, it's something to be proud about. So. Yeah. And you kind of, I mean, when you said that, I realized we hadn't talked, one thing we hadn't talked about is that there are, you know, like if you're, uh, an agency and you're going to work on trying to make a site accessible, you've got to work with the development team and you've got to work with the design folks and you've got to work with the content creators. And a lot of times, you know, th there's not a lot of um, cross in, in a small agency, there's a lot of cross pollination, but in a bigger agency, there's not. And so how, you know, be thoughtful about how you are, um, how educating each of those teams around doing their part for accessibility. So, you know, the, the developer developers can do this great job um, if they, and designers, but if the content people then don't, don't follow through with putting in alt text, right. Then, then you're, you're, you're not accessible. Right. So, so figuring out how you're going to get everybody on board. It can be a challenge. It can be a challenge. Yeah. It's definitely a team effort. That's for sure. Whether you're a team of one or a team of 25 doing a website, it definitely has to be looking at all angles. Yeah. Well, Beth, thank you so much for coming on the show today and, and uh, sharing all this information. And we will have to have you back on when you've got your survey results in. That sounds like we'll have some interesting things. We need case studies. We need it all. We need to get the word out. So really, I mean, you know, a lot of people uh, take it more seriously than they do today. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Well, happy to answer questions with folks if people want to reach out. I'm still on Twitter these days, bet, uh, at Beth Hannon. And then uh, you can find us at the Accessicar website. Just drop us a line through the contact form and I'm happy to. Yeah, spell your website. Oh, 
B-E-T-H-A-N-N-O-N. That's at Ben Hannon on Twitter. And then Accessicart is A-C-C-E-S-S-I-C-A-R-T.com. Awesome. Perfect. Perfect. All right. And my confession is that I have a little bit of dyslexia about the word accessibility, and I routinely misspell accessibility, <laughs> including our company name. I like the candid honesty there. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, we look forward to chatting to you again in the Thanks. fall. And for everyone listening in, tune in to the next episode of Do the Woo. I'd like to thank Beth for joining us today and sharing all that is accessible. Also, thanks again to Avalara, one of our newer pod friends who strongly believes in supporting the Woo and WordPress builder community. We're getting close to the end of March and our big jump into a lot of exciting things here at Do the Woo. So spread the word and most importantly, keep on doing the Woo.